other than I went up to him and hugged him to the consternation of, of my boss, you know, but I always thought, hey, I'm just gonna just throw that out there. And again, see, that's me. That's the human element trying to have a connection. How many people out there can say, I hugged George Lucas? Star Wars, as we all know, takes place in a galaxy far, far away. But Placer County is a little bit closer to Endor than you might think. I'm Chris Gray. I'm Scotty Sando, and welcome to The Placer Life. In today's episode, we're talking with local artist Frank Ordaz. Frank was a scene painter on Return of the Jedi and a lot of other great 80s blockbusters you remember. My name is Frank Ordaz, and um, I live here in this beautiful gold rush town of Auburn, California. I'm an artist, and I've... uh, essentially painted, uh, made a living as an artist since I was 21. And uh, I consider that a blessing and to be able to do what I love and enjoy and to be able to live off the fruits of my talent. But it hasn't always been easy. It's a struggle because of the arts. You essentially live on the whims and the, the tastes of your purchasing public. But I feel blessed living in this community. It really is a wonderful town. I remember getting in line for Star Wars. I remember going to the Chinese Grauman's Theater there on Hollywood Boulevard. I remember being in that long line. I remember seeing that opening scene and just going, whoa, this is amazing. My friend dragged me from college. You gotta see this movie. And I went there kicking and screaming. And after I saw that, I go, man, I wanna work on that movie. Because it was a cultural statement. It was a cultural statement. It validated my culture of kids who grew up with Marvel comic books, because that's essentially what it was. And I remember, you know, watching Flash Gordon. They're kind of cheesy in the effects, but it's really cool. Okay, so a little backstory on Frank. Falls in love with art at seven years old, growing up in a pretty rough part of Los Angeles. It's his ticket out of the neighborhood gets himself admitted into the prestigious Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, and then from there finds his way into the film industry, working for one of the century's great film directors, Steven Spielberg. I remember doing the opening to E.T. It's one of my first big jobs. It was on like a 10-foot by 10-foot canvas. I'd never worked that large in my life. And I was working with Dennis Murin, who uh, was the art director, and he says, you know, this better look good, you know, because, you know, Spielberg is gonna be seeing it on Saturday, you know, no pressure. And I remember I was just a nervous wreck. I even came in on Saturdays because I wanted to impress everybody, like, yeah, I'm gonna work hard. How did you get tapped for that? How did I get tapped for that? George Lucas always wanted to go to my alma mater, which was Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. When he got a scholarship to go to USC, then that's where he went. So when they were looking for another artist, where did they go to? They went to Art Center. So I was one of the top students there, so I got recommended, and that's, and that's how I landed the job. It was being at the right place at the right time, that's how destiny uh, works out. It is your destiny. After working on E.T. with Steven Spielberg, Frank goes to work on Return of the Jedi with George Lucas. There were three of us who worked in the matte painting department, and that and that's the department essentially that paints the backgrounds. If you see uh, Return of the Jedi, there's a scene where the Darth Vader on a ship is entering this docking bay. There's literally a series of about four or five matte paintings. There's that's what they call establishing shots, gives you the feel of the movie. Those are all paintings with the addition of some models. Okay, that was done by three of us. 
The last movie, there were 64 people who worked in the background, okay? So when I worked there, each of us kind of directed our shot, along with the supervisor. I was responsible for my shot. One cool part about Frank's job is he gets to go from working on matte paintings to working on models, like the most dreaded weapon in the galaxy, the Death Star. So I worked on that. So I was able to work in, in the model department. So I worked directly with George Lucas. You know, he'd come in, okay, Frank, you know, do this, do that. Oh, yeah, that, that looks good. He's not a man of many words. So it's like, great, do this, shape that, 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 that. okay, next. And uh, so I was also able to work in the art department. So I've worked on one, two, three, four, four Star Treks. So I was able to kind of move around, like I said, and they needed an extra for Indiana Jones. I was on set with a little, you know, loincloth and a turban. So I got paid a dollar from the street, Screen Actors Guild for being half naked. Small little uh, uh, little person on the screen that only I know, that's me. Imagine if you had three artists, all about 24 years old, 23, 24, okay? I was just out of college. I'd just been out of college for about a year or two. We're all assigned to create these visuals for Star Wars, and we're painting them. We're actually doing a traditional uh, application on either glass or large pieces of masonite, and we're creating these backgrounds for this movie. And so everything was done by hand, whether it was for models, whether it was animated. Everything was done on film, which means even the editors were cutting and splicing pieces of film. There was this very human element where if they needed somebody on set, I actually acted in one of the movies where they call us and we'd go act. So again, can you, can you see what's happened here? There's a very human element where they needed help to blow something else. We need some guys to hold some things that are gonna blow this up. So we'd all stop what we were doing, go on stage and participated just like, just like kids blowing things up. Do you remember what you blew up? Uh, yeah, we blew up in Jedi, we blew up Jabba's Parch. That was great, you know? So we were up watching that get blown up. That's the only thing I can remember because that was the big thing because these guys, they built this thing to blow it up. And it was like everybody came out of the building to watch this, you know? I remember the opening to uh, Jedi. I mean, I was a nervous wreck because we knew our shots were coming up at the very beginnings. So it was kind of like, oh man, this better look good. This better look good. It's like, yes, it looks good. Okay, good. Whew, you are know? there any scenes from Jedi that you're particularly proud of looking back now? Or at the time back then, you thought, I really have my heart set on this one I think scene. That, I think the opening scenes of Jedi still hold up. I did one scene, you know, with uh, the Million Falcon where Lando, Chris, walking towards it. And I thought it was a great shot, but the way it was shot, it didn't turn out. In fact, I was just on the internet and somebody voted that image the worst, the worst matte painting in Jedi. <laughs> and again, I thought it was pretty good, but the way it was filmed, it looked like a painting. Yeah. Those sort of things will drive you crazy. And, and, and of course, you'll have somebody go, it was the worst matte painting. But, and then on the other hand, there's the scene at the end where Darth Vader throws the Emperor down into that shaft. So that's my painting, 
And I thought it was okay, but there's some people who just love that. You know, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, okay. Sometimes what it could be your favorite, you don't get that reaction from the movie audience. In fact, the ILM cameraman, Terry Costner, you know, goes, uh, when, when George was coming through, he was photographing everybody. So there's a photograph of me, that's, which was really cool. And I'm, I got a picture of George talking to me with Joe Johnson, the art director, and uh, Tom Smith, who ran ILM for George. I'm describing that scene. I'd put a lot of blue, you know, in that shaft, and I thought George was going to say that's that's no good or whatever. And he goes, yeah, okay, that looks good. You know, you know, what are you going to do here? I go, well, I'm just going to, you know, give it a little bit more depth. And okay, that's cool. Uh, that's it. Okay, next. I mean, that's kind of how it was. Other than I went up to him and hugged him to the consternation of my boss, but I always thought, hey, that's just kind of. Just throw that out there. And again, see, that's me. That's the human element, trying to have a connection. How, how many people out there can say, I hugged George Lucas? Okay? So I did. I figured I was his, his employee. I was 25 years old, I think, at that point. And I figured, what is he going to do, hi, uh, fire me? So I just, you know, figured i just hug the guy, you know. They give so. you a hug back? No, he stiffened up. It was really weird. He just kind of stiffened up like, okay, <laughs> what's this kid doing, you know? <laughs> And but you know I have to remember I was 25 years old. I was really wild, you know. This no regrets. Absolutely none. I do it. I do it again. At that time, we're talking the early 80s. ILM was still kind of considered. You know, we were at the top of our game, so a lot of uh, movie stars came in there, musicians, to see what we were up to. Because it's like, oh, these are the guys who create special effects. It's cool. I want. I want to see it. You know, I want to see what the Death Star actually looks like. I want to see what the Millennium Falcon model actually looks like. And I hear these backgrounds are paintings. I want to see one of these paintings, okay? Some of them were disappointed because, you know, we're painting for the camera. Probably my favorite and saddest story, I think, was meeting Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson uh, came by with this little monkey. And at that time, I guess he was getting a nose job because he had a little, you know, that little white mask over. You say it like it's just common. That he just came in with his monkey. Yeah, he came in with his monkey. He was uh, being led around. Uh, he was with uh, one of my idols, which was Quincy Jones, because I was in the jazz and walking in space with my favorite albums. So uh, he'd come up to us. He goes, oh, you know, I'd uh, kind of just started to talk like him. I'm sorry. Sorry, Michael, wherever you are, I didn't mean to imitate you. But he says, if I could paint like you guys, I'd give up singing. Somebody famously said, I don't think you would take the hit in money. At that time, working on Captain EO, and I just remember seeing him at a party. We had a party over at Skywalker. And at that time, I was always very bold about walking up to people that I like, so I walked up to uh, Quincy Jones, and I said, you know, Quincy, I just love your music. I love, you know, walking in space, and kind of just stopped. He goes, you know that album? He goes, I love that album, you know, Killer Joe. I just rattled off, and he goes, whoa, man, that's cool. You want to party with me tonight? I go, yeah. So I hung out that evening with Quincy Jones, and at that time, his wife was uh, Peggy Lipton from the Mod Squad. The daughter she was holding is now that actress that was in uh, Office. That actress is Rashida Jones, who plays Karen on The Office. Michael Jackson was kind of in tow, kind of like a little puppy dog, and he was just by himself. And I tell the story because here's a guy who was on top of the world, just kind of lonely, just literally just holding up the wall, and just wanted to be left alone. It was kind of sad and tragic. The real personality for him at that time, like a father figure, was Quincy Jones. And he was just kind of going in tow. And I didn't, I didn't speak to Michael other than when he went up, you know, when I was at ILM, because he just, he just put out that vibe that I, I don't want nobody to talk to me. I just want to be left alone. And it was really sad.
And then other people like Robin Williams. I remember meeting him, and he was just the nicest guy, very calm. And then you meet other people, and you just go, man, they're real idiots. So, the nicest guy I met was uh, Lou Gossett Jr. We, I worked with him on Enemy Mine. And we were talking with him for hours during shoots and just sitting down, just talking like I am with you and me. And then other actors, you know, had a chip on their shoulder. And uh, so you really could see people, you know, the way the way they are. And uh, But no, the Michael Jackson experience, you know, was, was really telling because obviously his life ended tragically. But to kind of see that firsthand. And a lot of these people, like with George, when he was working around him, he's a very shy person. Doesn't open up unless it's to somebody he really knows. I remember when I was working for Indiana Jones, at that time, all these little, these kind of video games, you know, kind of, kind of like arcade. Spielberg brought two of these uh, to the set. One was this arcade game where you, it, it was kind of like a Monte Carlo game. And I forgot what the other one was. So anyway, I was in there playing on that, and he was in there playing for, for the other, and we're both in there playing this game. And it was one of those funny moments where the uh, producer, one of the producers came in and goes, okay, Steven, we gotta shoot, we need you. He goes, oh no, I'm at 50,000 right now, I can't quit. So we're in there another 30 minutes, I'm kind of, and I should be working, but I'm, I'm figuring, okay, if he's there, I'm, I could be here, and he's just, he's trying to, to hit another 50,000, everybody's waiting for him, you know. Sorry, folks. They, Steven's going for a high score. He, that's, he was going for a high score. Those were kind of the, the funny light moments that I, that I... So at the end of the day, we're all human, right? That's a fun story. That is a fun story. You know? It's a great story. How did you end up in Placer County? I wanted a place that was Christian-friendly. So I wanted a place that was at least where people were open-minded to different belief systems. Uh, I wanted a place that was a wonderful, wholesome environment to raise my two young children. And um, we had homeschooled them for, for a bit, but we wanted to enter them into the public school system. So uh, we had some friends moved up here, and they said, you need to consider Placer County, especially Auburn. So we visited up here and uh, literally put my house up in the market in the Bay Area to move to Auburn. So I, I chose Auburn. And being an artist, I can essentially live anywhere if, as long as there's a FedEx. And I just love the, be the beauty of uh, the fact that you can mountain bike, so I was a mountain biker. I also like the fact that there was a symphony, there's the arts, there's a radio station. You know, here I'm Plaster County, you, you guys doing podcasts. In fact, I, re I recently did a, a project for uh, a, a Hollywood director who moved into town, and I asked him, why'd you come to Auburn? He goes, well, first of all, we have horses, and so we wanted a place that was horse-friendly, and we all I wanted a place where I can get to the airport quickly because I have to still direct films in Hollywood. And all of culture is here. What makes it a good place to make art? What makes it a good place to make art? Well, a good artist can make art anywhere. But if you have other artists who are talented in their field, who are accomplished in their field, and if you're surrounded by these people, then you have fellow travelers who also can speak into your life. I feel fortunate that there's some world-class artists in, in this town. So I'm always inspired and challenged, so... I don't feel by any stretch of the imagination that, that oh, I've, I've arrived. There's so many good people here. How have the uh, people and the landscape of Placer County intersected your life artistically? Oh, that's a great question. 
because, and a lot of it has to do with my faith. You know, what a man produces is essentially what he feels in his heart. So I, te- I tend to paint uh, people from a wide spectrum of life, uh, people that come into my gallery, not just the successful, but also the people that struggle, because I believe the God spark is in everybody and every part of humanity. So it's part of my vocation to bring that out uh, in, in, in my portrait paintings and in, my, in, in any other type of painting. And also, when I paint landscapes, um, you know, it's the wonderful creation, you know, of, uh, of God. When I paint, I do have a historical reference in terms of the importance of the arts and how the arts impact the environment, how you, how you, in, how you impact the world with essentially the message or the messaging that's in, it's in your art. What's amazing with art is that it stops time. And I'm a little older than you guys. And what you end up finding out when you get older, time just really starts racing. And there's part of you goes, how do I just hold on to this moment? And you can't because you're moving through time. And one day you wake up, it's kind of like that talking head song. You know, I'm dating myself here. You know, I got my beautiful wife, got my beautiful family. My God, how did I get here? And with art, you have a record of what you were thinking what you were feeling, and that's what's great about movies. You can go back and you can see how men treated women versus now and vice versa. It's an amazing thing, and, and, and arts and books, they give us that. They give us that, that moment in time. And you can look back at the early uh, Star Wars where you could just see really George Lucas's, his worldview, uh, his corniness, because a lot of his humor is very corny, and in many ways it's very innocent, and he showed that in his movie American Graffiti. You saw that and how in that moment in time, and I lived, I remember cruising. You guys probably don't haven't done any of that, but I remember getting in hot rods. We're talking 1974, 75, getting in my friend's souped-up hot rods, going down Whittier Boulevard, checking out the girls and the action, and that was part of our culture. So if you see that movie, it's a record in time because that doesn't happen anymore. So you've talked a little bit about why art is important to you, Uh helping you connect with people and helping people connect in general. I wonder if you have any thoughts on why the arts are important to communities. Oh, that's a good question. The arts are a temperature of where that community is at. It's a a social thermometer. It's a, 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 a barometer and gauge the quality of life for that community. A community that has a symphony, that has like our state theater. I'll use, I'll use our town, like a state theater, which wants to uh, show movies from the past and, and to an essence enlightened the people of the community to what is done. Here's a little plug. There's gonna be a sci-fi festival at the state theater in, in uh, January, and I'm gonna be one of the keynote speakers showing some slides of my work at, at ILM, so stay tuned for that. But it gauges how people are involved with the life of, of, their, of their city, that they love it. Anybody that, that loves their home will naturally want to beautify it with landscaping, with decorations. It's part of the human condition. You want to take care of yourself. So a community that takes care of itself, takes care of its appearance, clean streets, freshly painted uh, buildings, artwork to be seen, whether they're murals or whether they're sculptures. That shows the healthiness of that community. And I think that's why 
a lot of the communities around here are so healthy because you do have a, a, a vibrant sense of self within the public is really important for gauging the social thermometer of where people are at, spiritually as well as physically and mentally. You mentioned landscapes and being inspired by what's around you. Uh -huh. What locally in the foothills, maybe the mountains? Yeah. What are those landscapes that inspire you now? I've done uh, uh, paintings uh, going down to the American River. I've had some Amer uh, amazing experiences meeting people down by the confluence, especially uh, by the Mount Quarries Bridge, known as Nohans Bridge. I also like traveling up to Tahoe. I go up there once a year, stay at a friend's cabin, and, and I enjoy painting uh, Emerald Bay. In many ways, I try to capture a mythic quality, a quality, the iconic topography of the land, almost like a postcard. Like when you go somewhere, you can forget where you've been, but a postcard essentially gives you a remembrance of that time. When I paint something now, my thing that interests me is painting something that spiritually, physically, and emotionally connects with an experience that other people have had to the land that's particular to here in California or to the Southwest. So when I paint scenes around Donner Lake, uh, I will use the bridge, I will use looking down at the lake. When, I, when I'm painting Emerald Bay, I'll, it, it, it's to give the people that almost uh, subliminal, subliminal thought of having been there, yeah, that's what it's like when I'm there. So I'm, I still work very cinematically. So George Lucas, the people that I work with, have st still inform how I work now. So I, I like creating, for lack of a better term, establishing shots, things that inform us of, of our story, our kind of living cinema. I thought it was really cool what he had to say about bringing kind of a cinematic quality to his landscape paintings from Placer County. And you can almost see a little Ewok poking out from his painting on the No Hands Bridge. Or how about a Death Star hanging over Lake Tahoe? Oh, that'd be awesome. It certainly is really cool to have world-class artists like Frank living in Placer County. It gives us a much deeper sense of culture and appreciation for our community. Yeah, I think Frank said it best. The arts are tremendously important to communities, and that's why Placer County is proud to support the arts through partnerships with local organizations like Placer Arts. They put on events throughout the year to help us connect with our local artists and better appreciate the arts. So go to placerarts.org and check out their calendar events, and go check out one near you. Well, I certainly am excited to go back and watch Return of the Jedi and look for Frank's work. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Placer Life. I'm Chris Gray. And I'm Scotty Sando. May the Force be with you, always. <laughs>